Welcome to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope you are equipped by this message from Pastor Tom Lively. For more information about our church, please visit foundationchurchfl.com. And for those of you who had the pleasure of, of sticking around longer than uh, just about a year, he came to Inglewood and preached with his lovely wife. You know, and so nothing but the utmost respect for Pastor Arthur and his wife and his family. They stand on this. They don't compromise this. They don't bend their knee to please government. Their focus is pleasing the almighty God. Amen? So Pastor, Pastor Arthur just got released out of, out of jail, right? Yeah, praise God. And to be always praying for him, his family, his ministry, all right, and just be agreeing for total victory, all right, because what we, the scripture we read this morning, Deuteronomy, right, enemies will attack you from one direction and flee from seven, right? So he's, he spent over 40 days in jail. And he was recently released, and he's coming live from Canada. So we're good. Thumbs up. All right. Let's give Pastor Arthur a big hand clap. Hello, friends. This is uh, Pastor Arthur Palowski from uh, Canada. I spent uh, just... 50 days in prison for my uh, horrible crime of preaching to the truckers during the truck convoy that, that we had just a few months ago uh, in Canada. I am so honored and privileged to be here today with you. I mean, there are certain times and certain people when you meet them, it's a divine appointment and you will never, ever forget. I mean, when you meet sometimes some people, you know you're going to spend eternity uh, with them. And that was my time in Florida last year with my wife visiting your church and your pastor and his wife and the whole team. I mean, what a privilege. I want to first start with thanking you for standing, standing with me, standing with my family and, and supporting us and praying. I want to tell you something. When you are there, and I was not just in a prison, um, the government wanted to break me. Every day, there was something terrible that they were cooking for me. I was placed in a metal box, suffocating, of course, strip searches a number of times, parade. Uh, I was paraded in front of hundreds of inmates at the lockdown kind of the government wanted the inmates to know that's the villain, that's the guy that you are at the lockdown. So when you see him next time, beat him up. On a number of occasions, at least four inmates would come to me and say, hey, the guards are giving us incentives. They're giving us extra time if we would hurt you, if we would beat you up. One guard came to two inmates and said uh, to them, we're going to, by accident, uh, we're going to leave the doors open of Palowski so uh, you can, uh, you know, finish him off. So when, 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 when we are talking about prison, when we are talking about jail, it was not just a regular jail. This was a whole hell. It felt like the entire principality just wanted to crush and destroy 
and discourage. In other words, what they wanted to do, what they wanted me to do, what they wanted my family to do, and what they want to do to you as well. Because you see, the message that they have, that God has given me for many, many years is wake up, stand up, push as hard as you can, because the enemy wants you to bow. So today, I have on my heart three scriptures, perhaps more. But be ready. First Peter 3, 8, 22. First Peter 3, 8, 22. Also, the book of Jonah and from Daniel 3, from Daniel 3. So first I'll tell you what happened to me and how everything unfolded, and then we will we'll plow through the scripture. Because again, there are three types of people. There are three types of people. Those that are willing to bow before God and do his business to forward his kingdom. Those that are willing to bow before flesh before the enemy to worship the golden image, if you will, for incentives on this side of eternity. And there is a third category of people like Jonah that just wanna run away the opposite direction. If you, if you open your Bible in Jonah, it's a remarkable story of a man, a prophet of God, that was told to go. He was told to go to the left but he knew what that meant, so he is running to the right, opposite direction. In the first Jonah 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, and this is what it said. Go to the great city of Nineveh. Go to the great nation of United States of America. Go to Europe. Go to Canada and tell them, preach to them, warn them. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. And if you know anything, and I'm telling you, Jonah, Jonah knew what that meant. Jonah have heard about what is being done to the prophets. He have seen it, I'm sure, in front of his own eyes, how prophets of God or those that are willing to do and go and preach are treated. And he was not ready for it. He didn't want to go. So sometimes, sometimes you are faced with a situation with, with the commandment of God. When God says to you, I want you to say something. I want you to go. I want you to preach. I want you to face a great wickedness. I want you to be my mouthpiece. And you understand what that means. And unfortunately, I believe that we, in 21st century as a church, we have failed our Lord. We have failed the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because of fear. Because we have become so comfortable with everything that we have, all those, you know, the goodies and the stuff that we are surrounded ourselves with, and we just don't want to pay the price. And quite often, for a number of years, God would say to me, there is always a price to pay. If you think that it's not going to cost you anything, you're just not reading my Bible. You're just not listening. You're not paying attention. If it costs God, the creator of heavens and the earth, if it costs him, his own son, and if it costs his son, his own life, his own blood, do you really think it's not going to cost you anything? 
to follow him and to do the right thing. But Jonah didn't want to do it. And I, I have to confess to every one of you, I'm no, I'm no special. I'm just a flesh like everybody else. And quite often I am being reminded by God, oh Lord. And I would say, oh Lord, just remember that I am just dust. We are dust raised from the ground. But the spirit of God is within us. It's not about us. You see, it doesn't start with us. It starts with him and ends with him. And there is a lots of dust between that you and me. Jonah was told very clearly what to do. He was told to go, but he went the opposite direction. And from time to time, when I was faced with decisions, I'm telling you, probably if I knew, if I knew how hard it's going to be or how long it will have to, I'll have to wait for my rescue. I don't know if I would be able to go. So I'm very grateful that God is only revealing us a little bit of his, of his plan because I don't think we would be able to make it. It's like Jesus in Gethsemane. He was praying, he was praying, he was sweating with blood. He says, oh God, oh Father, if it's possible for this cup to pass, but not my will, but thy will. So I was invited to Milk River and to Kutz, it's a Montana border. And of course, me, I'm always in trouble. The moment I open my mouth, I always make enemies. I don't know. Sometimes I was uh, whining and complaining to God. I said, God, you have blessed people with such amazing talents and gifts. Some are beautiful singers and some look beautiful. Like, look at me. I left this this craziness here uh, to show my church how a man looks like after two months, 50 days um, without without being able to, to shave. So that's why I left it. So uh, don't worry. I, I'm going to get rid of this uh, probably today. I left it for visual effects for my church um you know they call me moses now but i still have to work on the departing the red sea and i need the staff um, so i'm working on on that and and if god will be merciful uh, he's going to give it to me because we need a lots of departing um departing the seas all over the world right now let my people go and by the way in just few days uh, we're going to have passover and god has spoken to us remember last year Pretty much the entire world have seen the video get out. And now they call me, you know, they call me get out pastor. Well, I'm not really get out pastor. I am the one come in pastor. However, you know, the reputation sometimes, um, you know, you can't stop it. So God told us last year that the Passover is going to be very, very important. And when they stormed our church and I did what I did, you know, I was not planning. It came out of me like cleansing the temple, flipping, uh, you know, the, 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 the tables in a, in a synagogue. Get out, your Nazis. Get out, you wicked, evil people. So they left. And of course, the consequences for doing that, it was five arrests uh, just within a few months. 
and I'm facing a dozen of criminal charges, inciting people to come to church. Uh, they call it illegal gathering, participating in illegal gathering, officiating in illegal gathering, not wearing a muzzle. I mean, you name it, uh, they charge me mischief um, with uh, interfering with the crucial um, infrastructure. You name it, they were, they were cooking breach of probation a number of times. So they have been piling up as much as I can because they realized, they realized the power that the man of God has. And it's not our power, it's the power of the righteous king. So when I was invited um, many times to go to different rallies, of course, I would go over there because that's my opportunity to preach the gospel, to tell people that there is a righteous judge. But in just a few days, we're going to have a year anniversary. And God already spoke to us that this Passover time is going to be very, very important. And not just for Canada, not just for United States, but globally. This is the time where every man and every woman of God, you, yes, God is talking to you like he was talking to me and to my wife and also to Jonah. He's talking to every one of you and says, declare, declare those words. Let my people go. This is the time for Moses and Aaron's and Miriam's. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego's, Esther's, Mordecai's, apostles of God to rise up and say to the whole world, to all the governments, to all the wickedness, let my people go so they can go and worship me. That's what God is saying right now. It's time for the church not to be ashamed of the kingdom of God. For too long, we have been playing games of political correctness. Oh, we don't want to offend anyone. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to stir the boat. We don't want to push the envelope. You know, we want to be politically correct and nice, loving, kind. We have, we have betrayed the kingdom of God and we have substituted the real Jesus, the one that flipped the tables and called people names. Yes, Jesus Christ called people names for example he called he, he called Herod fox it's like calling a native man coyote right now it was an insult you know i call them hyenas uh, because you know i spent some time in africa we have orphanages in africa and we started churches over there i've seen lions hunt and i'm telling you what a majestic animals uh, the kings, you know, in the jungle, in the savannah, uh, they are. And I also have seen those ugly, ugly hyenas. Um, ah, wow. You know, hyenas are settling for the leftovers. And you have never been called to be a hyena. We were called to be lions. And lions go for the fresh. They go for the best. And God opened my eyes and he says, I always want you to go for the best. So in just a few days, in just a few days, there is Passover that is going to happen. I want you to pray prophetically and say those words that God has given to Aaron and Moses let my people go so they can worship me. That's the message uh, in, an, in the just few weeks. So that's what I'm going to be doing because there's lots of people in captivity right now. Actually, our nations have been taken in captivity by the enemy. And I, you know, I understand that our nations are not perfect. Our societies have walked away from the living God. And that's the problem. 
What we need is we need to repent. We need to go to our knees as a nation's and acknowledge the holiness of God. God is righteous and holy king. He's also a righteous judge. And quite often when they have been presenting those cases against me and and saying that, uh, you know, I'm horrible and I've done this and I am a lawbreaker, I would say that my God is the judge of judges. Yes, sometimes we're facing crooked judge. This judge, this woman, said to me that I am one of the most dangerous citizens in the country. I'm extremely dangerous, she said. Can you imagine? I'm extremely dangerous. Why? Because I went to the Kuds border. Kuds is Montana-Alberta border. And I was invited there to encourage the truck convoy because they were hammered left and right. There were so many RCMP officers. RCMP is like your FBI. And they were hammered. They needed encouragement. So they invited me, come, come and do a church service, come and encourage us. So I went and I did. And I gave a speech over there. And I told them multiple times during my my speech, you know, do not give up. But this is a fight without guns and swords. This is a peaceful resistance. Martin Luther King Jr., civil rights movement style. Solidarity style with Lech Wałęsa that I have seen with my own eyes when I was growing up. That's the style, peaceful resistance, non-compliance. So I finished the speech and people were greatly inspired and touched. We did a Lord's Supper together with the truckers. I left and a few days later, a few days later they came to my house and arrested me on the steps and I faced a pile of charges. And I'm telling you, during that time, during that time I did not know how God is going to take me out of this, this trouble. It was scary, it was horrible. When I had the meeting with the RCMP, when I was interrogated, you know, by like in your country, your FBI, and they were telling me, what they're going to do to me and how many charges and this and that. I said, that's it. I will never come out of prison. And what have I done? What is my crime? What was the crime of the prophet of old? What was the crime of the apostles? They stood with the truth. Why? Why is it so important for a preacher? Why is it so important for, for, for the Christian to preach the truth? Because the Bible says the truth, not your wishful intentions, not you know, that you're a nice, good neighbor and the neighbors can see you good. All of those things are cool, are good. You are to be a good neighbor. But the truth, the whole fight is always about the same thing. The truth sets the captives free. So Jonah was told to go, but he was terrified. He was told to go to one of the worst places, Washington, D.C., to the White House. Jonah was told, go to Washington, D.C., to the White House, to this wicked King Biden and Obama and Hillary Clinton, that witch. Go to them and tell them that I'm not pleased and the judgment is coming. That's our job right now. Our job is to warn the wicked about what's coming. Why? Because God is a merciful God. God wants everyone. He actually, in the word word of God, it says, I wish that none shall perish. His heart is for everyone, for everyone to receive his salvation. So Jonah didn't want to go. He didn't want to pay the price. But if you go to Daniel, and I quite often preach about that, Daniel chapter 3. 
There is this one of the worst kings in history, Nebuchadnezzar, a bloody king, a king that just took whatever he wanted. And he erects a golden image and says a declare, the, the, it puts the decree, it makes a law, a mandate, a regulation, just like we are facing right now all over the world, and nonsense, a crazy stuff. Wear a muzzle, social distance yourself. You're not allowed to do this, you're not allowed to do that, but why? It doesn't make any sense, it's not scientific, it's not scientifically proven. It doesn't matter. You have to bow before the golden image. Why? Because we say so. That's it. King decrees and you got to bow. And entire nations, as you know the story, entire nations are bowing before the golden image. And then what we see, we see like a sore thumb. Three boys, three men standing tall. The whole nations are bowing. Everyone is bowing except few. And that's exactly what we are witnessing right now around the world. The nations have bowed. The churches caved in. The churches betrayed their king. And they have bowed for incentives, for money. All because they were scared and they were not willing to pay the price. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I want you to know, I want you to be encouraged. They are Shadrachs, Abednego's. They are good people out there that refuse to bow. To them, the most important thing is to bow before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, before their Lord, Jesus Christ, than to bow before golden images or people or Hamans, the representatives of the devil. So they're standing tall and they're refusing to bow. And of course, the power got angry. The Nebuchadnezzars got angry. And that's why the hammer is coming. The fiery furnace for those that are not willing to bow. You see, when this craziness started, I rather away said to everyone that this is a test. God is shaking the earth. He's shaking us. He's testing us. He wants to purify his church. But how you purify golden silver? How can he purify you? And I think as important is how would you, you, how would you know what you're made of? Hey, wood or gold and silver? You see, for us to understand or to know what is our true character, what we are made of, we have to be willing to go to the fire. And those boys were willing to go to the fire. And, and you know, Nebuchadnezzar Fauci was trying to make a deal with them. Hey, I've heard you're not wearing a muzzle. I've heard you're not willing to social distance yourself. I've heard you're not uh, willing to shut down the church. You kept it open. And if you keep doing this horrible thing, we will throw you into the hands of the FBI. We will throw you into the fire. So he's trying to reasoning with them, and, but they would not have any of it. And I love their answer. I love their answer. The king is trying to persuade them. And then he makes a statement. And who... And who is going to rescue you from my hands? What kind of a God is more powerful than King Fauci or Biden 
or Clinton or Obama or all those devils. Who is more powerful than us? Oh, be careful, Clinton. Be careful, Obama. Be careful because you have ticked off the living God. And he will show you how powerful he is. So the boy said, replied, well, God is perfectly capable of saving us. But if he chooses not to, that's okay too. In other words, this is the right thing to do. We shall not bow before your golden image because we are to worship God and God alone. In other words, we are to obey the word of God, not the word of Fauci, who Fauci thinks he is. Like when I was in your beautiful nation, quite often I would say who those people are, those uncircumcised Philistines that should defy the armies of the living God, who those people think they are. So they were willing to go to the fire and fast forward, they end up in the fire. But what happens in the fire? What happens when you are willing to pay the price? I'll tell you what happens. First, God deals with your enemies. Remember, they were bound with ropes and they were thrown into the fire, but the fire was so intense that the people that throw them died. So first God deals with your enemies when you're willing to pay the price. When you go to the fire, he deals with your enemies. When you go to the fire, he sets you free. The bonds disappeared. Also, he shows up in the fire. And my testimony is very simple. When I was arrested, when I spent so many days in solitary confinement, when they were breaking me, when they were inciting people to hurt me, when they were placing me in metal box for no reason, when they were changing the game in the middle, if I was becoming a little bit too comfortable, then they would change. They would put me in another cell. They took me to another institution, to the to the unit for the most dangerous offenders, murderers, those that do riots uh, in jail, those that attack guards. They placed me there in administrative segregation, they said, because I am too dangerous. Can you imagine? The moment they kidnapped me from Calgary's prison, I had entire unit. We had the most peaceful unit in, 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 in the... In, in prison here, I had Bible studies, I had church service for the boys after they let me out of solitary confinement after about 30 days that I had to spend alone in a cell. I mean, it was brutal. For the whole week, they would not give me a Bible on my glasses, so I was not able to read. I don't know if you can imagine being in a little box or lock yourself in your bathroom, you know, Maybe that's not a good idea. Some of your bathrooms are bigger than my house, but find a little room where there is toilet there, lock yourself for 24 hours with nothing. You go nuts, you go crazy. I've seen people staring at the wall. I've seen people coming out of solitary, walking in a circle. I mean, that's torture. So they were torturing me. And I was told multiple times that they're doing this to break me. So I'll take the plea. You see, I was offered to be off the hook if I admit I've done something wrong. The Crown Prosecutor that piled so many things on me that I thought I'll never come out, he said, you know what, you can be home. I will let you go. I'll drop all the charges if you just plead guilty and you can go home. But how could I plead guilty while millions of people are watching this story? And I said, this is not about me. You see, 
being a Christian, being a believer in Christ is not about you or is not just about you. Jesus died for you. That's true. He came and he was beaten. He was tortured and he died the most horrible way for you. But it's not really about you. You're not the center of the universe. He is. This story is about him. This story is about Jesus. That's why it's so important to tell the story. That's why it's so important to be the witness. Why? Because there are millions upon millions of people that are perishing that Jesus died for as well. And they have destiny and they are not walking in God's destiny. When I was in prison, I met kids over there. I met men. People that have murdered, people that robbed, bank robbers, and all kinds of wickedness they have done. But you see, Jesus has a wit, has a testimony for them. There is a destiny written by God in their hearts, but they have walked away from their destiny. So he sends me there to remind them that they don't have to die as bank robbers. They don't have to die as drug dealers. They don't have to die as murderers. And as tough as it was for me to be there, I knew that I knew that I am there to bring hope because, because there is no hope. There is no hope in the world without God. And I remember when I was in, in solitary, sometimes 25 hours, and they would let me out for one hour to take a shower, call. For three weeks, they would not allow me to see my lawyer. I mean, they wanted me to break, but I focused on Jesus and people were banging on the wall and they were going crazy in solitary confinement. So I would go over there during that time I was out and I would pray with them and I would calm them down. And others were listening to this. And one guy comes to me when I was locked and he was let go for that one hour. And he says, when I heard you talk to those people through the wall, through the, through the glasses, this is what I said. The light has come to this place. The light has come. The hope is here. You see, whatever God sends you, whatever you are, you don't have to go to prison. Go to the grocery store. Go somewhere. You are that light. Because the light is in you. You are that hope. Jonah didn't want to do it. He didn't want to bring the light. He didn't want to bring hope. He didn't want to, to bring the truth that would set the entire big city. Because he was terrified of the consequences that might happen to him. But Shadrach, Michigan, and Abednego, they were willing to die. We have to come to a point in our lives that, that we would say, it's okay if God will not rescue me. It's okay if I will die. In the fire, Jesus shows up. In my cell, when I was crying to God and I said, God, have mercy on me. God, come, ease this pain. I go nuts. Allow me at least that the time will pass faster. Be, let me know you're there. Let me know that you, 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 you are in my cell and and sometimes I could not feel him at all. Sometimes I, I was wondering, God, do you see my pain? And I know that some of you are feeling that. And from time to time, we're facing terrible circumstances. And, and, and we, are, we are questioning, God, do you even care that this is happening to you? Do you care about my pain? Do you care that I'm suffering, God? And, and one day... One day when I was there and I was reading the Bible and finally they gave me my glasses that I could read. And one page from the Bible fall. I mean, it's incredible. One page. 
and hear what it what was on that page. I want you to open your Bibles to First Peter 3a. I couldn't believe it. There is so many pages in a Bible, but only one has fallen from it. It's like God said, you see, I'm a God of the impossible. I'm God of signs and wonders. And if I want you to know that I'm here, I'm going to send you one page with these words just for you. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good, eager to do good? Verse 14, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake. You know, remember my crime was to go to the truck convoy and to encourage them to stand up for the rights. Uh, my crime was to lift their spirits. My crime was to bring God into a very tough situation. The eyes of the world were on the Montana border and they were broken. They were discouraged and God says, go and tell them, and tell them that there is hope. So if you're suffering for righteousness sake, suffer for what is right, you are blessed. I mean, I'm telling you, it's so hard when you're suffering to understand that portion of the scripture. I'm suffering, Lord, and you say I'm blessed. I'm hurting, Lord, and you say I'm blessed. I had a hard time to comprehend that because I did not feel during that moment as blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats. They said, I'll spend years in prison. They wanted to discourage me. They wanted to break me, nor be troubled. Do not be frightened, in other words. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Wherever you go, wherever he sends you, God walks there with you. He will never leave you. He will never abandon you. He will always, always be with you. And always be ready to give a defense. To give the reason to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. The inmates would come to me and say, Art, we want what you have. When you walk, we see the glory of God. When you talk, we want what you have. You see, those boys over there, the only thing they know is a, is, is a lifestyle of crime. When I was, after about 30 days, allowed to mingle with them, finally, the only thing I could hear those boys talk about, it was robberies and guns and drugs and dealing and buying. And I said, oh my God, I am in hell. This is a crazy place. However, you see, God wanted the light to be there. And soon I had the entire unit, the entire unit at my tables to listen to the Bible sto stories. And I, and I was teaching about Jonah and I was teaching about the fiery furnace. And then afterwards, they were coming to me when I was facing my, my difficulties. When I was kidnapped from one facility and taken to the max, to the prison for for the most dangerous people because I was so dangerous because I turned the entire unit into a Bible study in church services. So of course I was the most dangerous to the establishment because I was interfering with the drug trafficking business in jail. Because don't kid yourself, the drugs are flowing freely, freely in prison. I've seen them dealing drugs, selling drugs, which is crazy place. Then when I was transferred 
the inmates from my unit in Calgary were calling my wife, and here is what they were saying to her to tell me. Tell Art we are praying for him. Tell, tell Art that we are continuing the Bible study studies. Tell Art that she is in the fire, but God purifies the gold in the fire. And I started to cry. I mean, how amazing this is that the criminals got the picture. They got the picture that God purifies us in the fire, but it's extremely difficult. We have to know why we believe what we believe, to give a reason to the hope that is in us with meekness and fear, having a good conscience, keeping a clear conscience, that when they defame you as evildoers, like that judge with the crown prosecutor portrayed me as, as the most horrible, most dangerous man. Those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For, the, for it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. I think the success of me being there was because I was suffering with them, with the evildoers there in the same place, but I was suffering because I was doing good. They were suffering because those were the consequences to their actions. And they saw the difference. They saw a man that was right in the middle of their suffering. But he was there for a totally different reason. And they were drawn. I had guards coming to me. So I want to be fair. I want to say on the record that there are some good guards there. There are some horrible monsters there. But there are some good guards. They would come to me and they would say, Art, we know what's happening to you. It's coming from the administration. We don't want to do it. We know what they're doing. They're piling up stuff against you. I had one guard knocking at the window and I came to listen to what he wanted. And he says, I had a dream about you. And God told me to tell you that he loves you and he is with you and do not give up. There are millions of people that are watching this story. and they're, You are an inspiration for those people. And I'm telling you, when he said that to me, I wanted to start crying and I wanted to yell but I don't feel like an inspiration. I have enough of suffering. Every day they would take me from my cell and they would put me on concrete. This is not China, this is not North Korea, this is not Saudi Arabia, this I thought is a democratic country. I thought that I am in Canada, but every day they would snatch me from my cell and put me on concrete in a tank just because. They placed me in administrative segregation with a letter that I am, I am dangerous to the staff. Even though for 40 few days, I had Bible studies and church services. We had the most peaceful unit in the entire Riemann Center in, in Calgary. And they placed me because I'm dangerous. When I walked into that unit, I, my heart melted. I have to admit. I got scared. I said, they're going to kill me here. I was alone in entire unit, max pod it's called, and I was placed where the most vicious, dangerous offenders on a third floor, iron and glass. 
extremely cold, freezing cold. I mean, this is not Florida. I loved when I was in your country and especially Florida, I love. I mean, as much as I was sweating, I, I really liked the hot weather. Here, I am in Siberia and it was so cold, so cold and they would not give me a pillow. They would not give me a proper blanket and I was shivering all night long. And when the guard sat, came and I said, why are you doing this? Why is so freezing cold? I'm going to get sick here. And he looked at me and says, at least you have fresh air. I mean, when you go through those moments in life, you're not an inspiration, believe me. I did not feel like an inspiration. But I'll tell you what that did. When those guards were coming, when the inmates were crying, when they came, the Muslims would come to me and says, would you come to our cell and pray because we see demons? Can you cast them out? When I lay hands on them and I saw their tears crying, one murderer came to me that was murdering people and like a hitman and would come to me and said, Art, will God forgive me? Will God forgive a man like me? And, and he cried and I said, listen, if you sincerely repent, if you go to your knees, if you will bow, I believe God is going to cleanse you. His blood will wash your sins away. And, and he cried. But at that moment, at many moments during that 50 days, I spent 50 days in the fire. I did not feel like an inspiration. Most often I feel, I, I felt like, I felt like it's over. That they have all the power, all the guns, if you will. And I will never walk out of this, but God would show up again. And, and he would bring a scripture like this and, hey, you're suffering for good, I know. I know why you're here and I'm here with you. Hold on, don't throw a towel. I have a word for some of you. Do not dare to throw the towel. Do not throw the towel. Do not quit, do not give up because great is your reward for suffering. Great will be your reward for doing what's right. Hold on, hold the line. Don't give up, don't quit. And I know it's hard, I'm telling you, it's hard. It's crazy hard. And I'm, some of the suffering that people go through, I can't even imagine. But Jesus knows. He was there with me and he is with you as well. In the fire, when you're suffering, in the fire, when enemies laughing, in the fire, when they're waiting for your defeat, Jesus is there with you for a witness. Nebuchadnezzar with his officials, the Fauci's of today are watching the church going through the fire. And wait a second to say, didn't we throw three? But we see four men walking, being in the fire. Who is that fourth man? You see, Jesus shows up in our suffering. When they called the boys out, there was not even a sign that they were ever in the fire. See, God is the restorer. He restores our lives. He sets us free. I was thrown, bound, shackles on my feet. You know, they were placing shackles on my feet. I have zero record on violence. I've never been accused of violence. I have no criminal record and they were placing me with shackles on my feet and handcuffs like the most dangerous criminal. And why? Because I dared to give a speech, a speech filled with hope, a speech do not give up. 
fight for your rights, stand for what's right. And that was unacceptable to a totalitarian dictatorship that we have right now, because don't kid yourself, Canada is not a democracy anymore. We have to rise up during this time of the Passover, and we have to declare, let my people go, so they can freely worship the living God. When I was, when I was taken, I was sitting in a common area. Finally, I managed, we, saw, we signed a petition, all of inmates signed a petition asking the director why we are in solitary confinement. And finally, every inmate signed a petition and they let us out a few hours a day so I could do my church studies and, and Bible studies and prayers. And I'm sitting at the table with the boys and the guard comes and says, you have a visitor. Pavlovsky, you have a visitor, come. And I knew there's something fishy about this. And when I, when they led me to a room, I was literally kidnapped by sheriffs, shackles on my feet, handcuffs, taken to another city three hours away to the max spot. When I walked over there, I'm telling you, like I testified, my heart started to melt. I said, God, they are going to kill me here. They've told the inmates to hurt me. They've told the inmates they're going to leave the doors open. But because the favor of the Lord was with me, the inmates said, never. We will never touch him. And if you touch him, we'll go after you. So they moved me to another facility. So perhaps in the other facility, other inmates would be willing to hurt me for incentives. More time out or food, because food is a big thing in prison. And then there was a court Saturday morning, uh, Friday, Friday morning. And during the court, my lawyers were telling the judge about my treatment. And I think the director of the facility got scared because I was transferred. But listen to this. I was transferred to another unit, but they didn't tell me what kind of a unit. So I was, as I was being marched through the facility, I saw people behind the door. And I said, at least I will be with the people. And when I entered the unit, I saw, I saw something I have not seen before. I saw people walking in a circle and I saw people jumping and acting in a very strange way. I observed that for a few minutes and then I went to the guards and I asked, where am I? What kind of a unit is this? And they started to laugh and they said, you are in wild, wild west. This is an asylum. This is a mental unit. And I said, oh, just great, just great. But you know, I didn't know what to do, except being me. I didn't know what to do, how you behave with a bunch of crazies, walking in a circle and doing crazy stuff. Well, I talked to my wife and I said, listen, I was transferred to a mental unit and there is a lots of crazy people, like for example, there was uh, the good things about it was TV and you, we could watch, uh, we could watch some movies. However, in a crazy unit, you watch 10 minutes at the time because someone jumps and switches, switches the channel. So you watch a movie for another 10 minutes, a different one, and then he jumps again and switches the channel. So during the time out, we could watch 10 minutes at the time, usually three, four movies at the same time. And, uh, it was the next day it was the same thing. It was first it was annoying, then it was hilarious, you know. So for for a few days you would watch a pieces of of the story. I talked to my wife, and here is what she said. She said, "Well, then perhaps 
God has you there to lay hands on those crazy people and pray. Remember when he prayed for the guy with chain that was nuts, was crazy? He cast out the demon, so go and do it. Because perhaps God has someone there that you want you he wants you to minister to. And if you don't, you're going to stay there until you minister to that person. And I'm telling you, I don't know, maybe she thought she was encouraging me, but she scared me to death. Because I thought, if, I, if she is right, and God has me there for that one individual, which I don't know which one, I better up the game and start praying for everyone. I'll be stuck here forever, and you will never let me out. So I prayed for as many as I could. And um, I was placed in a cell with a roommate, a young guy. So I asked, what did you do? And he said, well, I murdered my brother. And I said, oh, Lord, have mercy on me. How oh, I'm going to sleep right now. You got to give me peace. I said, how did you do it? He says, well, I chopped him with machete. And right away, I look at the table and there were some pencils over there. And I said, oh, my God, please don't allow this guy to, to uh, stop me during, during the sleep. So what I decided to do, I lay hands on him and I prayed that God would clean him up inside out so I could actually sleep. So by the time I was released, four in the morning, they came and snatched me again. Four in the morning, they placed me five hours on concrete. Uh, why? I do not know. Just to, to mess with me. But by the time I was taken back to Calgary, Edmonton. I already had established Bible study, church service, and I had a whole, whole table of people listening to the Bible studies. You see, no matter where you are, no matter where you are, if God has you there, that means there is a purpose, there is a reason. You may not understand that reason. And as much as I prayed and I said, God, please take me out of this crazy place. Take me out of the situation. And it seemed he's not answering. It felt like he hears me, but he is not acting on what he hears. And there were many moments where I said, oh, Lord, please, 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 please take me out of this hell. Take me out of this situation, especially when I was really hurting uh, on that concrete every day, hours on concrete. I mean, my back, my bum, I, I'm telling you, it hurt even to stand after such a treatment. I was taken from a hot place when they cranked the heat and I was sweating and they would place me into a freezing cell on concrete, in and out, in and out. And I said, God, I don't know how, I'm, how, how am I to survive this? I'm going to be very sick and they're going to take me to some other unit and you know uh say it's COVID. you know every if you have a sniffle now it's COVID. if you cough it's cough COVID. there's no flu anymore there's no other sickness everything is labeled as COVID. craziness so many times i would say to god god please please come come to the rescue come to the rescue but i want to tell you something friends you prayers when my wife and my son, my brother would say, there's so many people are praying for you. There are churches praying for you. They have vigils for you. And I started to cry and, and I'm almost ready to cry right now. I mean, when I just think about that, that your prayers, your vigils, your, 
your moments where you were bringing my family before the throne of God was keeping me sane and was keeping me strong. When my wife was said, you know, the church in Florida, Pastor Thomas, the whole church is praying for you. And every day he talks about your story. And I started to cry and I said, God, you have not forgotten me. You have others that are standing with me and, and lifting me in prayers. And, and I know I'm here, but I know that this will end because I know that the prayer of a righteous man are valid much and accomplishes a lot. And I know that yes, I am in the fire, but one day you're going to lift me out, out of the pit. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I'm sure when they were thrown into the fire, they thought it's over, it's done. We're going to see Jesus now face to face, and they face to face, and they did. Jesus shows up, sets them free. Sometimes our freedom is not outside of the fire. My friends, I want you to listen very carefully. Sometimes your freedom or your answer to your problem is in the middle of the fire. That's where Jesus sets you free. So be willing to go to the fire. Do not avoid the fire. Go to the fire. I spent 50 days in the fire and God was purifying that gold. He was making me a better man, a man with a bigger compassion because I saw those people hurting. I saw what was done to them. And one fellow, we became friends. He got, he was helping me with the phone calls because my phone calls were cut sometimes in half and they were just messing. Even phone calls to the lawyer, they would just mess with me. So I would use his time. And when I was coming out from the solitary, the boys would give me their time on the phone. Says, Pastor, you call, you call. Here's my phone, it's my time, take it. So I would call. I would call and, you know, this fella, he was helping me through all this ordeal and the guards didn't like it. So they went in the middle of the night and then beat him up. They beat him up, they punched him in the face multiple times because he was helping me to get the message out. So my heart, my heart prays for them. And, and you know, my heart is broken for what they are doing in the name of the law to those boys. I would never, I would never understand their pain if I was not suffering with them. So you see God, God, wants you to go and be the light in the darkness. He wants you to go to the fire because that's sometimes, sometimes that's the answer to your problem. Sometimes he has you there. So you become the answer for somebody else's problem. Nebuchadnezzar calls them out and they become a testimony. If you know, if you remember the story, the whole world hears about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The whole world heard about the God of the Bible. So not only God dealt with their enemies in the fire, he showed up in the fire, he set them free in the fire, he elevates in the fire, they become a witness because they were willing to go to the fire. So sometimes I realized, and when I was there, I have become a witness to so many people, a witness of willing to go to the fire to suffer. Like this God said, art you inspirational to so many people, even though I did not feel like an inspiration even to myself. But there are people watching us, there are people watching you. 
And they are desperate for hope. They are looking. They're looking for hope. And, and there is no hope in political arena. There is no hope with money. There is no hope in a workplace. Jesus is the only hope that will set those captives free. So when they were out of the pit, when they were out, out of that fire, Nebuchadnezzar makes a declaration and he says, every man, every woman around the world must, must. Remember the decree that he did? You must bow before the golden image. Now he makes another decree and he says, you must bow before God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And if you will not do it, I'll chop you to pieces and I'll destroy your household. And then the end is fascinating. And it says, and then he elevated to the highest position, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see, when you're willing to go to the fire, when you're willing to pay the price, that's where God will elevate you. And he will use you even in a greater capacity. So I knew, I knew my arrests. And when I was in the United States last year, when I was arrested with my brother David for inciting people to come to church in the middle of the highway, the SWAT style arrest. And then when I came back from United States of America, and I want you to know something. I don't care what you say, and I don't care about the legality of what I'm going to tell you. I am an American. I have adopted myself to be an American. I feel American, I love America. I had some of the best times with Americans, the four months that I spent last year and, and with your church and your pastors as well. I will carry this for the rest of my life. There's something beautiful, there's something amazing that God has for American people. You are like that great eagle and I shared that when I was with you last year, but I'll share it again. God put it on my heart again. He told me, tell that great American eagle that it's time for that eagle to rise up and start flapping its wings. You see, God has a purpose, a destiny for America. And now the destiny is being snatched by wicked people. And they want to divert what God has planned. But I'll tell you, if you rise up, if the church rises up, and I believe this is the greatest time of the church, in the church's history. I believe that this is a beginning of the restoration of the book of Acts. I believe that God is raising apostles and prophets and men and women of God that will not bow like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, will not run away like Jonah, but will become a Jonah that repented and went to the great city of Nineveh and declared the will of God. God is declared that he's going to judge this nation. God declared that he's going to judge Washington, D.C. God declared. But if people will repent, if people will turn away from their wicked ways, I'm telling you, God is going to change his will. He's going to set the captives free. He's going to save America and use it for time and eternity. America is desperately needed in these last days. Americans are bold, courageous, strong eagles, roaring lions. And God is saying, come, let's have the biggest pride of lions we have ever seen on this side of eternity. And that's you. That's your destiny. 
We have to be willing to pay the price so we can be ready and strong enough to face the opposition. You see, David would not be able to fight with Goliath if David would not be trained first with lions and bears. If you know the story, he talks to King Saul and says, hey, I've killed lions, I've killed bears. And that's the same destiny for this dude. Yeah, he might look big, this uncircumcised Philistine. Fauci, the Pinocchio, maybe he looks big in his own eyes. He puffs himself up and he says, I'm the biggest, I'm the strongest. But what it required, what it needed really is a smooth stone and a stick. We need smooth stones and we need sticks. And we need the willingness of David that would run towards the enemy and say, today, this day, your head will be chopped off. And not just yours, but your bodies as well from Washington, D.C., from all those places of wickedness. And I'm telling you, if you're willing to go, God will walk before you. I'm facing right now a dozen of criminal charges. My story didn't end. My last day in prison, so I spent 50 days. You know how many cubits in the story of Esther, in the book of Esther with Mordecai and Haman, how many cubits was the gallow? It was 50 cubits. I spent 50 days in the fire. And then on the 51st day, I knew they're going to treat me with a special love. So they stripped naked me and they searched everything. I mean, I don't know what they were looking for. Maybe they were looking for the Holy Spirit that I smuggled to prison. But you see, the Holy Spirit is something that they cannot take. That's the contraband that stands with me wherever I go. And they don't understand that. The truth is within us. And they cannot snatch that away from us. It walks wherever we go. They took my entire unit to punish us. Everyone was stripped naked, searched. Our cells were flipped all over. And then again, I was placed in tank on concrete for hours. But when I was escorted out, there was hundreds of people that wanted to welcome me. And this is what they said to them. They said to them, if you stay here and you welcome your pastor, he will be immediately arrested. And they said to me, if you say anything to those people, if you say hi to them, we will re-arrest you on the spot. They even robbed me from my, from my ability to hug my father when he came to, to welcome me when I was released. I could not hug my children. I had to go straight to the car. That's how evil those people are. But there are some good guards, so pray for them. Pray for the good, pray for the ugly, and pray for the bad. So they would become our best friends. So they would become our family members. There were some guards when I was leaving the facility that yelled, the guards. And they would say, Art, good luck. Art, stand strong. When I was leaving, when I was leaving my unit, the inmates came and gave me a hug. And, we, and they cried and, and they hugged me and and we shook hands and the guards, some guards didn't like that, but they could not do anything. When I was always every day, when I was taken to the, to the tank, to the concrete, 
they would yell at the guards and say, if anything happens to this man, you got a problem. When I was coming back, they would yell, free Pastor Art, free Pastor Art. And they were told, shut up, be quiet. And they would yell even more, free Pastor Art. I mean, you can't make stuff like this up. God was there. He was touching those boys. And I want you to pray for them, that they will continue to be free, that God's favor will be wherever or whatever they're facing. One high-ranking officer escorted me out. And here's what he said, which I was actually surprised. This is what he said. Art, this is not a place for you. This is a place for criminals, not for you. And, and that really touched me because even them, even the villains, even the establishment noticed the difference. You see, when I was there, I was not cursing. I was not planning another robbery. I was not dealing drugs. I was not eating drugs. I was different. I was interested in people's souls. I was polite. I was respectful. And I shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that changed the atmosphere. And they realized that even, even the enemies, when they would walk every morning, seven in the morning, the officer would come in, you know, just to check if we didn't unscrew something with our plastic spoon. So he would come in and, and check the stuff up. And I would always respond the same way. Good morning, officer. Good morning. How's your day? And I could tell who is who without even watching. Um, I could not see sometimes because if you have been in a pen, uh, the light is very bright and, and you know, sometimes you just, you just want to keep, keep sleeping and the light is not allowing you to sleep. So what we did, what I did, I did uh, took socks and I would put them, you know, I would wrap them around and I put them on my eyes. Um, but then later on in the game, you know, I'm a slow learner, learner and I'm a, I'm new in this criminal lifestyle, so I'm, I'm learning as I go. Um, underwear works really, really good when you put it on your eyes because it's kind of like a hat. So sometimes when the guard would come in and I'm on with my underwear on top of my eyes, I'm like, ah, good morning, officer. And I knew who is who. You know how? Because when they would enter, the good guys would say, good morning, pastor. So I knew that's a friendly guard. Oh, good morning, sir. And I would reply, but when there was an enemy walking into my cell, they would not say a word. But I would still say, good morning, sir. How is your day? And then they would mumble like, good, good morning. You know, we were there. I was there for them as well. So during our Bible studies with the, with the inmates, I would always, always pray for my enemies. I would pray for the villains. I would pray for the guards. Because in the end of the day, in the end of the day, we have to remember that even those villains, those wicked, evil liars, those manipulators, those murderers, those cheaters, the government officials, the crown prosecutors, the peace, so-called peace officers, they're the victims of the enemy. They are the victims of the enemy. And we have to pray that their eyes would be open as well. And I know and I know that God wants to save them as well. They have been lied to. They have been cheated by the devil. They're the victims. So I want to bless you. I want to bless you with this. And there's so many stories. There's so many stories that I could talk to. I, I don't know how much time I have. It's, it's, um, 
a little bit of an hour. Um, if you want, I can share a few more stories or I can uh, wrap it up. Uh, it's, it's up to you. You want me to continue? Yeah. Okay, so let's open the Bibles for a few more minutes. Luke 4, 18. Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. I want you to know that the moment you repent from your sins, the moment you become the child of the Most High God, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you, is in you, within you. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Why? Because He has anointed me to proclaim good news. That's why we are alive. That's the purpose. That's the reason. It's not just so we can spend eternity with God. Yes, of course, God wants to save us. But He left us behind for a purpose. What is that purpose? So we can have money, so we can have good buildings and enjoy our lives. That's cool. That's good. But that's not the purpose. The purpose is so we can... Proclaim good news to the poor. Everyone that doesn't have God is poor. I don't care if you're the richest man on earth. If you don't have Jesus, you're the most miserable, the poorest man on earth. He has sent me. You see, I was sent as much as I didn't like it, as much as the pinch was strong and painful. He has sent me to proclaim freedom, liberty to prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind for the blind, to set the oppressed free. To set the oppressed free. When I was there, I've seen a lot of oppression. When I was there, I've seen a lot of people hurting, the prisoners. And I'm not talking about the bars. I'm not talking about, you know, cells. I'm not talking about correctional centers. I'm not talking about that. There's something more severe there is prison of their hearts, prison of sin. And God sent me there to proclaim liberty, freedom for those prisoners. To set captive, to set the oppressed free. There's a lot of oppression in prison. The people are, there's abuse of power left and right for no reason, just, just because. I also want to tell you something, especially if you are in a position of authority. And at times, at times you are in position of authority. You have power over your husband. Sometimes you have power over your wife, over your children, over your neighbors, over your friends. Sometimes God is giving you power over another human being. For example, if you're a doctor, you have power. If you are a nurse, you have power. If you're a teacher, you have power. If you're a police officer, you have power. If you're a crime prosecutor, if you're a judge, you have power over someone. And the Bible says that for those in leadership and in that moment, you are in a position of leadership, you will be judged double. I want you to understand this. And let, my, let, let the fear enter your heart. Because when you are in position of power, you will be judged double for what you have done. When you have been given a power over another human being like those jailers, they had power to bless me or curse me. 
the administration, the police officers, that handcuffed me in such a brutal way that I have for two months scar on my wrist. It was the most brutal arrest so far. And I have been arrested 16 times already for my crimes of feeding the poor and preaching the gospel. When you have that power, I want you to understand that God will judge you severely. If you become a curse, if you have the power to save, to lift someone up, to bless, to give hope, but you're choosing to abuse that power over that human being, God will be your judge. God will be your judge. Use your power that he has given you over another human being to bless, not to curse, to set them free, not to imprison them, to do what's right, to do what's good. That's why we are here. We are here to bless, not, not to curse. So what's ahead for me, I do not know. I know that God has a plan for my life. I know that he did not allow the enemy to, to hurt me, that he was there with me, that he set me free. I'm still facing many trials, many charges. But I declare and I believe that not even one will stick. I declare, I say that in the name of Jesus, I will come and visit you. You see, I was supposed to be right now with you in your church. I was so glad when you bought this building and, and, and I, I was rejoicing with you. And when my wife, and when I called my wife and, and she says that um, uh, your pastor sent pictures of your church, and, 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 and we were rejoicing. I was in prison. My wife was sharing that story. And I said, praise God, you're so faithful. You are blessing those that are faithful to you. Praise you. Praise you. And I know that one day you will set me free. That one day you will take me out of these horrible circumstances. So I can go back to the United States. So I can come and visit you. One of the funniest stories, when I was in a mental unit, I... Um, you know, I chose to pray for those people and I chose to start the Bible studies. I just didn't know how. I, I was trying to figure it out, you know, how crazy those people are. Will they even understand what I'm saying? So I sat with one guy and he was writing something on the table and, and we start talking. I introduced myself and, and he says, oh, um, aren't you that pastor that gets arrested all the time? And I said, guilty as charged. And he jumps out of his chair in front of the guards and everybody else and yells, you are my hero. You are my hero. Oh, my God. I'm so happy. You are my hero. And he yells. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, is that a good thing that crazy people consider me a hero or a, a bad thing? I didn't know. Uh, but it was uh, it was a funny funny story. So you know God has a sense of humor. And someone told me um, a couple of days ago something that I didn't uh, look um, from that perspective. And he said, you know, um, <laughs> they had to send you to the place of insanity so you can bring sanity back to the insanity. You know uh, that's a one way of looking at this um, at this situation um one of the funny stories i think it was not very funny when i was there now i think it's funny um from you know sitting at home i'm still a prisoner i have house arrest i'm not allowed to leave my house so i am technically 
in prison, but thank God I can be with my family and I am in prison in my own house until the trial. Unless God steps in, uh, the trial is in six, seven months. Uh, so I have to be a prisoner in house arrest for that period of time unless God steps in and sets me free completely. But do you know, um, I was talking to General Flynn before I was arrested, and I knew I'm going to be in the United States for my birthday. So 28th of March, I, I was born, and my son Nathaniel, uh, which I shared the story a little bit, um, he was born dead with heart on opposite side and smashed lungs. And if you're interested in the story, it's on YouTube. It's called Street Advocate. Street Advocate, it's a story of how God, raised my son from the dead and healed where there was no lung, a lung appeared and heart moved to a natural place um, within a few hours, incredible story. But uh, my son was born the same day I was born. And um, I talked to General Flynn and a few other people and I said, you know, I met Trump's family um, and they talk about me from time to time on their social networks. And I said, you know, if it's possible, I mean, if Donald Trump, the president, would uh, be willing to have a coffee with me, uh, I would like that for my birthday. Because we were talking about, you know, what I want and, and then I'm going to be there and it's going to be a birthday party for me and my son. And I said, you know what? Forget about the parties. If I could have just a coffee with the President Trump, I, I think that would make my way, my, my day. I think that would be so cool. Um, he's a very interesting man to me, a successful man. And uh, I've heard so much about him, of course. Uh, that would be a cool, cool thing. <laughs> and, uh, and you know what happened to me? 28th of March, I had a Bible study in a mental unit, having a coffee with the crazies instead of with uh, Donald Trump. And I think that's a hilarious uh, sense of humor that God has. Well, you wanted to spend your birthday with the president of the United States of America, but I want you to spend your birthday praying for the crazy people so I can heal them and make them sane. So no matter what, no matter what enemy throws at you, I want you to know, first of all, God has a sense of humor. Um, maybe at that time you will not be laughing, but from the perspective of time, you will know that God was there and he will give you a story like Shadrach, Michigan, and Abednego. Mordecai refused to bow before Haman. Haman built a 50 cubit high gallow. But I want you to know that it was him. It was his own devices for his own head and the, and the heads of his loved ones that were used, not against the righteous, not against the man of God that refused to bow before the wickedness and, and the devil and evil. So stay strong, my friends. Stay strong, church. Do not bow. And if you have to, look and watch the gallow building being built. Know that your enemies are digging pits for themselves. They're building gallows for their own heads. I want you to know that if you have to go to the fire, that's where your answer lays. That's where God wants you, perhaps to purify you, to make you a better man, a stronger man, a more powerful woman, a Deborah or Esther for such a time as this. That's where your answer is. That's where your freedom is. That's where you have a testimony. And that's where God is going to elevate you. So be blessed and um, keep praying for me for the total freedom 
and one day I'll bring my family and my wife to your church so I can amen, cry with amen. you and I can rejoice with you of how much God has blessed you. I'm waiting for my blessings as well. Um, we are looking at uh, purchasing a land outside of the city of Calgary as well. And uh, I know that my time is coming as well. I have to, I have to be willing to stay in the fire a little bit longer. So the testimony is going to become a little bit bigger so I can be elevated as well. Be blessed and talk to you soon. Remember, we win in the end. We are the lions. Go out there and keep roaring. Praise God. Praise God. What a word. What a word. As, as we walk out of here today, let's walk in victory. Amen. Because our God sets up a table in the presence of our enemies. He causes our enemies to flee in seven directions. And also, if, if the Lord laid it on your heart, you can go to uh, Pastor's website, Pastor Arthur's website, streetchurch.ca, streetchurch.ca. Just make sure there's a couple phonies out there. Make sure it's the right one, okay? Uh, and so a seed, because we don't want him just having some um, substandard attorney. We want him to have the best. Amen? Thank you so much for joining us. We know that when there are this many people in person or watching online, that there is a chance that some have not started a relationship with Christ. If that's you and you would like a relationship with Jesus that washes away the stain of sin, you will need to start by repenting of your sin, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and asking him to be the Lord over your life. That means giving up control. If you have never prayed this or you have fallen away and want to return to the kingdom of life, repeat this prayer after me and mean it. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and I now turn from them and I give you my life from this day on in Jesus' mighty name, amen. You said that prayer, you are saved. Thank you for listening to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered. If you would like to partner with us, please visit foundationchurchfl.com and click on Give.